You're listening to the Story Soil Podcast, where we build science fiction and fantasy worlds from the ground up. I'm Lauren, and I'm a fantasy author. With me today are plant medicine PhD and crop safety scientist, Dr. Sarah Tabor, and world-building aficionado, Adrian Erickson. Oh, hello. So, Adrian and I, we've been world-building together for about 20 years. Oh. We both have world-built hundreds of worlds together, and um, Sarah and I met online. It's true. Fangirling over Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. Fangirling over Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I'm currently trying to write a book and I'm just like, oh, Lauren, you've seen me write before. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, and, you know, on, on one of our many phone calls or, or face-to-face meetings, <laughs> um, after Sarah had gone into this long spiel about some topic that I was fascinated by and was like, I want to make a world about this. I just realized we need to create a podcast where you talk about something that's very normal to you that most of us plebeians don't know about and go in depth on a topic from agriculture or food science or biology. And Adrian and I will do our thing and spin a world out of it. So the way this is going to work is we're going to give Sarah a topic. She's going to go. We're going to ask her questions and start our little brains working. And um, that episode will go out as a part one. And then the part two is going to come out a week later. And that's going to be where Adrian and Sarah and I brainstorm a world or a culture or some aspect of uh, of that, whatever we can do in 30 to 45 minutes. <laughs> Welcome to part one of the podcast on biology in space. (laughs) Um, Stick around after as Adrian and I systematically or erratically pump Sarah for information, research, stories, and theories. All right. So, Sarah, I think the original question I had asked you was, can plants grow in zero gravity? So we think so. We just haven't really, like, gotten good at it yet. How's that for an answer? Oh, okay. Tell me more. Okay. So the thing about plants is they need dirt and they need water and neither of those things like behave very well in microgravity. (laughs) Oh, is this like the uh, brushing your teeth in space is a problem? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like biology and space just don't get along very well. And it's not like, okay. So there's a lot of people who do space physiology for the astronauts and like the, the fluid distribution in your body. So we're not doing that because I'm a crop scientist. I don't know people. Um, right. <laughs> like, damn it, Jim, I'm a plant doctor. It's mostly just messy. Like, that's kind of the big thing. And so NASA did a round of growing some plants up in space. So the reason this matters, okay, we'll back up a little bit. So the reason this matters is if you're going to do short-term missions, you know, like um, space station, moon, mm-hmm. you know, with the moon, you're just out and you're back. And with the space station, you're close enough to Earth at all times um, that you can do resupply runs. So it's okay to just have, like, you just bring up food and then you eat it and you throw away the wrapper. Like, that works for the short-term missions and, like, close-to-earth missions we've done. But if you're going to go out for a long trip slash permanent colonization, uh, you need to start growing your own food. Um, Because, like, you just can't pack that much stuff. Like, by the time you pack enough food to make it to Mars, you can't get off the launch pad. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which is a bummer. And, um... So you have to start cycling your nutrients, which is like a fancy way of saying you got to grow your plants in your poop. So mm-hmm. and it, pull a pull of the Martian. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because like um, 
the space community, like for very good reasons, is very uh, like machinery oriented. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason they're like that. That's how you get in space. Um, <laughs> but like the the life cycle part of it has been uh, less of a thing. Again, just because we've been on short missions where supply runs work. Um, so this it's just a really, really kind of, it's this part of space exploration that we're going to have to figure out. And it's just been really, really underdone um, because of the nature of the work we've been doing so far. So in terms, <laughs> so what they were doing was like, okay, let's just figure out how to grow plants in a very simple, like, we're not even going to try and compost the poop. We're just going to try and like grow some plants. Um, sure. Let's, sure. Yeah. Like let's, let's start with something basic. So on the ISS, they're growing, I think it was lettuce and zinnias and a couple other plants. Like they kind of grew some flowers, which is nice. Um, All right. Because <laughs> <laughs> we need beauty as well as sustenance. <laughs> right. like nourishment for the soul. <laughs> um so and like lettuce and leafy greens they just grow really quickly so you can like Mm -hmm. find out if your experiment worked or not pretty quickly um gotcha so they're growing them and they kind of like they had some trouble because they they had to make what they call pillows where they just kind of like seal all the like not even soil but kind of like a clay-based medium and they could kind of like inject the water into that okay and the and the plants would grow out of it so that all that junk like the soil and the water is all contained all held together in like some kind of mesh or something. Yeah. Like it's just, it's not going to go floating around for reasons that mm-hmm. we'll talk about later. You really, really don't want that. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, they're, they're not that complicated. It's just, you don't, you're trying to sleep and a dirt clod hits you in the face. Like it's just not going to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to fly. And then you're not going to be able to control how it flies. It's going to fly everywhere. It's going to be rough. zero gravity. Yeah. Um, so they're like, okay, we got to keep this stuff on a leash. Uh, <laughs> Or in a pillow. Yeah, in a pillow. Um, so they get it growing. And it was going, I mean, pretty well. Like, they, they grew a little bit funky. Um, which, like, if you've ever grown plants completely indoors, you're like, it might not even be the gravity thing. Like, they're just indoors. <laughs> they're leaning weird directions. And- yeah, like, I've, I've got some plants under, like, a bright pink grow light right now. And some of them really love it. And some of them really hate it. Like, they just respond very differently. Like, some of them actually get burned. You know, if you leave the light on for too long. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just get like weird freckles. Crispy. Yeah, like it's not even like a normal freckles. Burn. Yeah, I've seen that. Freckles. Yeah, like it's not even like a normal burn. Sorry, burn. It's adorable. No, that's cool. It's it's like photon poisoning. Like they're literally getting too many photons for their mm-hmm. photosystem to handle. So they just start getting like little pinpoint chemical burns, and they kind of coalesce, and it's it's wacky. So, Whoa. and then like the succulents are fine because they're adapted to very intense sunlight. So, mm. um. So, like, I've had my own growing process just, like, on Earth <laughs> with an artificial light. Um, so, right. Is a, like, like, is a light like that, like you'd find in that kind of artificial light, or, like, we have the little arrow gardens, mm-hmm. um, in order to sort of reproduce sunlight, is it that much more concentrated because it's so much smaller? Uh, it, just, it just depends on the light. So, you know, like, some are going to be more intense. Some are going to have, like, more weight in one end of the spectrum than another. Um, and that's actually, like, I worked in indoor agriculture. I did a lot of food safety for indoor farms that are like artificially lit inside. Um, and that was kind of a constant issue that we ran into is we don't have really good standardized ways to talk about light spectra for growing plants. You know, there's like candle power and there's lumens and there's foot candles and there's PAR and there's just, and none of them, like you can't really mm-hmm. interconvert these units. Like we just don't have a really great consistent science of this is how plants and lights work. So so what about, you know, if you're out in space, 
assuming there's not a planet in the way, um, you would presumably be in orbit somewhere around a star. And so if we're going with the example of our solar system, um, you know, if you've got a space station, an agricultural space station, say like anchored at a Lagrange point that's on the sun side of the earth, um, would you even use a growing lamp or would you just be able to have some kind of filtered shade to be able to use the sun's actual light? Right. So that's a great question for the ISS. For sure. They had to use artificial lights just because they're like in a sealed capsule. Um, okay. My question would be solar radiation, like them cosmic rays that they have to shield people against. It's because those particles destroy cells, which is going to be a problem for plants as well. So I'm like, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know how much of that is like the constant problem versus like solar flares only. Um, mm-hmm. Cause like, say it's solar flares and we find out over the course of time that like, they only happen once every, like one severe enough to kill plants only happens once every six months, then you could maybe turn out crops that take three months constantly and lose some of them. Um, that's a bad example, but like if they're rare enough, it might not matter. But if it's kind of a constant radiation load, that's a problem for plants, then I don't think you could use natural sunlight. That would be a problem. Or have like, like transition lenses for, (laughs) (laughs) for the space station windows. Right. Locked out. Well, I think the, the best shielding for that radiation is just water. Um, so I suppose you could have a water, like, you know, you have, like a water barrier? Yeah, like a, you know, it'd have to be like a foot thick, you know, but just kind of a, a really tall skinny tank. I don't know. Could you put fishes in the tank? You could. Well, I mean, they'd probably, probably get irradiated as well, but. Yeah, no, I had a, I have a buddy who works at NASA and she was talking about, like, they were working on some kind of capsule design where um, mm-hmm. they just maybe use the water storage as also like an integrated radiation shield. Like, <laughs> that is really cool. Right? You're like, well, we already have to carry all this water. We might as well shield with it. Um, I wonder, I wonder about aquatic plants then, like things like kelp and um, seaweeds. Like, could you do that? I wonder. You could. So there is a plant called water hydrilla. Actually, that is a horrible invasive weed and you should never plant it in your yard anywhere. Don't do it. Um, Okay, don't plant the thing. But in space. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason, one of the reasons it's such a horrible weed, it it grows very quickly. It grows in water and it can produce oxygen at a much lower light level than pretty much any other aquatic plant. And so they can grow from like way deep down and then just kind of, they grow these long vines and they just kind of like overgrow everything else from shallower waters. Um, so when <laughs> like, they'll just like beat up oxygen, like they're, they're sitting there in the water and you can see these little beads of oxygen just kind of like popping off of them. Um, Whoa. yeah, they're really good oxygen makers and a horrible invasive weed. So don't plant them, but in space it could work out. But in space, but in space. So I want to like back to the, the zero gravity a little bit where you were starting. Um, well, I guess my first question would be, was there more that you had planned on saying and going into before we started asking lots of questions? Uh, yes, actually. Okay. <laughs> so the other thing the plants were doing that was kind of funny is they call it guttating. So that is G-U-T-T-A-T-I-N-G. Um, so that is just, they do it here on earth too. It's when they get too full of water and they just start to ooze drops of water out of their leaves. Um, oh no. I have a philodendron that does this all the time. <laughs> Before I knew I did that, I hung it over the bed and then it woke me up by dripping on my face. (laughs) 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 They just do that sometimes. 
Um, if you go out in the yard kind of early in the morning, like you'll, you'll see plants sometimes with just like little beads of water on the edges of their leaves. So that's the plant just being like, I have high water pressure. It's got to go somewhere. And it just kind of goes out the pores. Um, that would be like if we just randomly bled, if we had high blood pressure. Yeah, pretty much. If we just oozed blood droplets. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's a little, you know, plants, fortunately they can get away with this kind of thing, but if we did that, it would be a problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely be messy. Yeah, super messy. Um, if it's happening a lot to plants in a very like still air environment, it can be a problem because it won't evaporate um, and it will build up. And there's like a little bit of sugar in it, you know, and because um, it's not pure water, it's like plant inside juice. Um, so they can develop mold and stuff just because they're constantly wet with a little bit of sugar water. That can be a problem, but other than that, it's fine. The plants on the space station were doing this a lot. They were just like kind of gutating all over the place and they were like, oh no, now there's water loose in the space station. <laughs> that one thing we were trying. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably, it might've just been an issue of like in the pillows. I don't know how much control they had over the moisture, but it might've just been too wet in there. And so, um, like capillary action, like plants don't really get to choose when they drink. They're just like, if there's water there, they're going to take it up. And then sometimes they just get a little traffic jam in there and they're like, oh no, I got to get rid of it. That might be what happened. We don't know. Like, I don't know if that was a zero G thing or just a moisture thing. So there's a, a number of things that could occur when trying to grow plants in zero gravity that may be the result of zero gravity or maybe the result of just poorly growing the plant or having to shift around the processes yeah i mean the pillows sound complicated like you can't really dry them out too well like once the water's in there it's in there and you're just like well there's only one way out (laughs) (laughs) so i mean i assume that in something like the international space station we've still got you know it's zero gravity but clearly we still have an interior atmosphere because you know our astronauts breathe um so what about evaporation does that still occur And so does that assist? Is that detrimental? Um, It's fine as long as your HVAC system is built for it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm recalling having heard a story that I think was on Mir, which was um, like condensation in spacecraft in general (laughs) is bad for the same reason that just having loose drops of water is bad. Um, I've seen Apollo 13. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) it can get loose. It can short out your electronics. Um, mirror they were like either cleaning up the capsule like just doing a routine maintenance thing or they had checked their water inventory and they're like we're missing like five pounds of water or like you know two and a half kilos of water and they had to go looking for it that might have been what happened. oh no um but like they removed some kind of instrument panel and there was just like this basketball sized blob of dirty water uh (laughs) just chilling back there oh my god yeah so that's the thing that can happen um, and then they've got to corral it. Oh, God. Yeah. Can you imagine? I'm like, what do you do? Like, how many yeah. paper towels? <laughs> so, is there kind of like a, a space vacuum or something? Like, do they have the equivalent of hand vax to grab floating junk out of the air, like say, water or dirt? Space is a vacuum. I don't know what they did, you know? And like, that thing's probably surrounded by wiring, you know? Like, you just look at it and you're like, and it looks back at you. <laughs> like, what do I do? <laughs> um, yeah. So again, like their, their plant growing experiments were pretty short term. Um, but like, that's kind of a thing that you need to keep an eye on is like, you don't just need water in there and nutrients. You also need air and oxygen and how you do that in zero G. I think we're still working on that. (laughs) Well, if it's inside an 
atmosphered space because you know it's inside the station mm-hmm. how would it really work all that differently it because if they're yeah. yeah so like within the media itself you know like that solid gas liquid kind of interphasic mush um that should all work the same i think the issue is just making sure that whatever you're making the pillow of is gas permeable to the extent that it needs to be um With, got it without letting out the liquid yeah. on a level where it will start to collect and build in. So okay. I know that obviously you don't want water loose in space. Mm. We've covered that, but <laughs> the idea of plants that grow in soil versus hydroponic plants. Yes. Um, could some sort of tank be created? Have they tried much with hydroponic plants where they don't at least have to worry about the dirt element? Does that work at all? Or does it just like a piping system? really not? Yeah, so um trying to think. Um, I think what they were doing on the ISS basically was hydroponics. Like, I don't think they were getting their nutrients out of the soil mix. Like, I think it was kind of an inert clay. Um, so it was basically hydroponics, just with some some clay in there. Um, yeah, to keep the water from floating around. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, it's funny, too. Again, so I've worked in a lot of indoor agriculture um, there is a lot of pseudoscience out there about how hydroponics is sterile. It is not. Uh, if it was, it would not work. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can go into uh, why. We'll can of worms hydroponics for another episode. I, I've had Arrow Gardens long enough to know they are far from sterile. Oh, You've never had to clean one all the time. Yeah. You know, like, so most plants will ooze, like, it's not mucus because mucus is made of different compounds, but they have like a mucilage, plant smut. Um, so they'll ooze that out of their roots. Like that's just a normal thing that plants do. Um, and if there weren't microbes in the, in the hydroponics to break it down, it would clog up all your pumps. So if the hydroponics is working, it is not sterile. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's see. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So the plants are going to breathe out, um, breathe out they're going to transpire water and so you're going to wind up with a lot more water vapor which is not too different from what people do like we also breathe out water vapor um so that's just an issue of sizing your hvac system to like okay we have three people and like this much water vapor from the plants per day um Mm -hmm. yeah it's just not getting like go ahead um could you potentially do something like uh have a separate greenhouse station say where you've got one area of it area of it that is sealed and has um, atmosphere that like if some water were loose in that area, it would be fine. And you have a sort of vestibule where you could vacuum out all the water, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever I mean, in between. Yeah. There's really no reason why not. You just want to like either have no electronics or make sure they're tightly sealed. Like, like on a mm-hmm. boat, you seal up your electronics. So like if it's an area mm-hmm. that's going to get splashed, you just seal up your light. <laughs> You're like, if you have, running lights on a ship you just seal them up good mm-hmm. okay so it, that just hasn't been done yet yeah we just never really needed to do that We're not really quite building plant habitats on that scale yet in space mm-hmm. um would you say that a lot of these factors that have made what we've tried so far plant wise in space the hardest or the wonkiest <laughs> or the weirdest um, technical terms, the fact yes. that they are in zero gravity or are there also other in-space factors, like purely fabricated atmosphere? The, I mean, we talked a little bit about the light being strange. Yeah. Um, how much of it would you attribute to the 
purely zero G element versus some other very extraterrestrial elements. Right. So, so has someone who has never personally worked with plants in space, um, <laughs> I just kind of have to give my best guess off of like, oh, like, we bring you on a podcast for your expertise. And it turns out you've never worked with plants in space. Like she's there. She's not even a real astronaut. Um, <laughs> you think, you know, someone <laughs> she talked a good game, but uh, <laughs> so like, yeah. So the stuff that, um, all I know is, you know, what folks on ISS have said happened with their plants, right? So mm-hmm. looking at that, like as a plant diagnostician, you know, as a, as a crop veterinarian, um, I would, you know, you'd want to go through kind of a process of elimination, um, you know, like, hey, let's see if we can, you know, kind of adjust the water balance in the root media and take that down and see if that gets rid of the guttation. They were saying that the the leaves and stuff maybe looked a little funky, like a little bit twisty, like just a little bit different shape-wise, um, mm-hmm. that can often happen just from different lighting conditions. Uh, when I worked in the blueberry breeding, uh, program, we're just making conventional crosses. There's no genetic modification involved in that. Um, but just when you would take the same exact cultivar from the field into a greenhouse, like they would grow differently because there was like a little bit different light cycle going on. Okay. Yeah. Like the, the light was kind of dulled in the middle of the day. So they grow kind of like longer and softer and the distance between leaves is a little bit longer. Um, yeah. So that can make a difference. And I would imagine that, you know, back to zero gravity a bit that, you know, gravity affects how leaves grow because they've got to have stronger cores to stand upright and to turn versus just drifting around on the breeze. Yeah. I wonder how plants would mutate over time in zero gravity. That would be really interesting. Could they become spherical? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We have spherical plants on earth. There are some little desert plants that are just like a little green, like circle and they're adorable. (laughs) They're also like we have, there are the The Marimo balls from, from Japan. I have one. Yeah. They're like, send us into space. We're ready. Come on. Look at me. (laughs) We are so ready for zero gravity. Right. Um, Let's see, I'm trying to think, but yeah, like, so there's like, again, just having worked a lot on indoor farms, like I can tell you, boy, there's a lot of things that make plants look funny just from an indoor farm. Can you imagine floppy trees? Because they don't need to, (laughs) they don't need to like hold themselves upright anymore. They're like, I'm tired. Like the boneless tree ranch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, we're all weeping trees now. All of us, Philip. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, I don't know that gravity has anything to do with wood production and lignin. Like normally they just kind of do that because they do it. It's not in like response to gravitational stress. Um, certainly I think they could get confused as to which direction they're supposed to grow in because like sometimes they use light to know which way is up. And sometimes they use gravity. Like they do have cells in them that have little gravity detectors. Um, what classes of plants do that? Is that a tree thing? the gravity detectors or, or where have you, it what just, plants have I, you seen do that? I think most of them do it. Um, it doesn't really come up in crop science very much. Like if you're just trying to grow food, you don't really need to know what that is. So <laughs> we just kind of learned about it in passing and it was like, and next, but they'll have like cells with like very small granules in them and they literally just sink to the bottom and the plant can kind of detect where they are. And that's how, which that's how they know which way is down. Yeah. And it's funny because they do have sunlight that kind of tells them mostly where the sun is or, you know, which way is up. But for whatever reason, some of them decided they needed a backup. Um, uh, yeah. The ones the ones with inner plant ear disorders where their granules didn't settle right. Oh, little 
plant for to go. Yeah. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. My poor beans are dizzy. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, sorry. I, don't know, you're, you're, I think their, their sense of which way is up depends on what it is they're trying to do. Like if they're trying to find the light, like if they're trying to grow uh, branches, leaf, like the aerial parts, they'll kind mm-hmm. of use the light more as a guide. And I think sometimes... Uh, like especially if a seed is sprouting, that's when they rely more on their little gravity sensors because they have no sure. sunlight. To or go on. and and I guess for roots in search of water mm-hmm. and things like that, that would make sense too. Yeah, they need to know which way is down because like plants don't have a nervous system, so they don't know like okay, well my roots are like my leaves are up here, therefore the opposite way is down. Like they can't do that kind of logic. Um, so they need like local sensors to tell an individual cell which way to go. Let's so you might end up with weird root spread. Yeah, so I, I wish they'd said a little bit more about like, okay, now let's dissect the roots because that's what I wanted to see. And I don't know that that's been published. Um, biological research in space can be kind of like a closely held state secret. So, you know, I don't think they published that. Right. I'd be happy if that were wrong. Um, <laughs> well, we are reaching about time on this episode, on part one of this episode. Um, any final thoughts or questions? I want to try mushrooms in space. So Ooh, there's two how ways do- I could take that. <laughs> I'm Oh, man. <laughs> Why not both? I could do both. There's time for everything. You'll have to have sealed <laughs> rooms for both. That's very true. Yeah, like the spores would be messy. Like, especially with how much condensation there can be if your HVAC goes wrong. Like, they can land all over the place. And the next thing you know, your walls are just covered in shrooms. Although, although... There is a kind of fungus. We're almost done. I promise. <laughs> no, no, this is great. So in have you guys heard about like the fungus that's growing in the Chernobyl reactor room? No. Oh, you'll love this. I think I heard a little bit. I, like it sounds familiar, but I could tell you nothing. Yeah. Okay. Stay radioactive. It loves radiation. Okay. So. Oh my God. This might be. I, the, I did hear the, about the, this. This might be the, the solution to the sun. Yeah, so I asked myself, irradiated light. Okay, so yeah, so this fungus eats gamma rays. So you know how there's there's um, <gasps> yes, fungus. Let her keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how I feel too about that subject. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how photosynthesis works by like chlorophyll traps or like you know it captures sunlight. Mm-hmm. So this fungus does it with like what's our swearing policy? Uh, we don't have explicit. one. Okay, so this fungus does it to fucking gamma rays using melanin. Um, yes. <laughs> and so I have to ask myself, okay, like how efficient is this? Like how much of the gamma rays does it block? And if it does, how much thickness of like mildew do we need to catch the gamma rays? <laughs> and then also like, is cosmic radiation just gamma rays or is it alpha particles? Cause it would not work for that. So no, I, no. Yes. Hmm? Go ahead. So, so if you know this, this, this fungus that they found in Chernobyl, since their discovery of it there, have they found it elsewhere as well? Or does it look like it was purely a mu- mutation in response to that intensity of radiation? And so it developed there because of it. Right. So if I'm remembering correctly, I think there were six different species of fungus they found growing in there. And they were all using gamma rays to some extent because they they all have melanin. Like all 
not all, but a lot of fungi just can f- make melanin to protect themselves from solar radiation. Like that's why most organisms have it. Is that why mushrooms ha- are like have a darker lid a lot of times than they have the undersides? Some of them, yeah, would. Um, but these guys are like kind of, they're like the mildews you'd find growing in your shower. Like they're a really basic mold fungi. <laughs> oh, okay. They're they're like a mold. They're yeah. a mildew mold, not not actual like shrooms yeah they're like these guys are like a really just really simple basic mold um that had just learned how to- i'm like i was like imagining a shiitake log in space <laughs> like <laughs> i mean who's to say um but like the nice thing about you know mold is it, it makes a nice you can get it to grow in a nice sheet you could get it to grow in layers so that you could get it to perhaps you know block some radiation but i don't think we know what thickness you would need like if it were and what the mass would be like yeah, I don't know. Water might work better <laughs> in the long run. Any 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 last uh, last words? <laughs> Man, I hope that does it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I think that freaking does it. All right, well, that's all for part one of Biology in Space. Tune in next week as we run with this concept. Do you have your own questions? Give us an email at storiesoilpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, keep the fun growing. Part where we all dance in our seats. That's great. Lana, I think we just got your ring. Think we just what? I think we just got your ring. Look, uh, finally raining over here. Oh yeah, the rain that I drove through on my way to try to get to the podcast recording. Gmail.com, probably. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I haven't created that yet. <laughs> Gee, I hope it's not taken. <laughs> if you drop a giraffe from the atmosphere, they'll their heads will explode or something because of the blood pressure change. Yikes. Okay. Because of how long their necks are. <laughs> so back to topic. Back to topic. So about, that's a great answer to can plants grow in zero gravity. Um, <laughs> giraffes exploding heads.